The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. It is the Pittsburgh CityCast on a Thursday. Mike Prasuda, Tim Benz with you. Mike from the DVE Morning Show. You can check him out Monday through Friday, 6 to 10. And of course, when the Steelers get back rolling again, you can find him on the Steelers Network pregame show. And always check him out on Steelers.com. And in fact, Mike, as soon as we're done with this, you're taping up something for the Steelers, right? Moving forward here. Yes, another one of those uh, much anticipated, always appreciated off-season roundtables with uh, a cast of characters that uh, I'm not even sure who's on with me. But uh, we all rotate through through the course of the off-season and uh, a lot, lot to talk about there as well. The Steelers, as I looked during the course of this week, plus 5,000 to win the Super Bowl, that is in the territory of the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, kind of close to the New York Jets and Giants, a little bit above them. That's not where the Steelers normally are in the offseason, Mike. I mean, even in down years, it seems like the gambling public likes to pump up their expectations of the Steelers and People are having a tough time even ginning that up, it appears, going into the next year. Well, they're just not paying attention, Tim, because the word is out that Malik Willis of Liberty is going to be the guy, and then they're <laughs> going to go to the Super Bowl, and they're going to win it. So I would say uh, get in now while the getting's good. Oh, see, I thought Malik Willis was going to go to Arizona, and the Steelers are going to get Kyler Murray. I thought that's where the uh, analysis was spinning this week. No, they're going to get the guy who's just as fast as Kyler Murray, but is a lot uh, better put together, a lot uh-huh. thicker. Yeah, more upside. And, and believe it or not, actually taller. If you can fathom that, one of the quarterbacks from this year's draft class is taller than somebody that's in the league. I, I'm floored to even say that out loud. Yeah, they uh, none of them are uh, towering over uh, the field, so to speak, uh, either amongst themselves or in relation to what they're going to play against. But uh, I am not deterred. I am uh, in the Malik Willis camp. I am on the How Malik Willis How have you Willis convinced trip. yourself this so, so much already about Malik Willis? Just watching the senior bowl practices and the game and his physical skill set and what really separates him to me is he's got the upside that surpasses all of them. There's a lot that I like about Sam Howell's game. There's a lot I like about Kenny Pickett's game. Uh, I am uh, revisiting uh, Corral from Mississippi and kind of like the way he plays as well. But uh, I think when all of these guys are at their best, Willis is going to be the best of the bunch. You don't think his learning curve is the steepest of those guys? I didn't I say think- that. He can run around and move the chains while he figures it out. 
don't know if he's ever going to figure it out to the degree that you are hopeful of. I'm a little skeptical of that. I just think well, there's so far for him to come in that context. And like, you okay. go ahead and draft conservative and get some small guy with small hands. Who's pretty much <laughs> as good as he's going to be. No, he's actually get, a tall guy with small hands. And That's I'll the weird get thing. my guy and, and we'll see what happens. I, I'm not in all seriousness. I didn't know anything about this kid before the senior bowl week. And I'm just very intrigued. And, what, uh, what about him versus how, like if, what, what you like about Willis, because you said you're kind of intrigued by Howell too. Yeah. What you like about Willis. What do you like about Howell sort of compared and is Howell not more polished when it comes to the passing game? No question. But I think w- <laughs> something, you know, the more I talk about Malik Willis and uh, I do some stuff with Matt Williamson on Steelers.com, our colleague from the pregame yeah. shows. And, you know, we all cross pollinate everything. Matt said the other day we were taping up a thing on quarterbacks. I'm not sure if it's posted yet or not, but he said the second Malik Willis enters the NFL, he's going to be one of the best runners in the league. And, and I, I buy into that from what little I've seen. He's just, he's, he's not like Lamar Jackson and Murray. He's thick. He's well put together. Uh, He's got a cannon for an arm and he's a great runner. I mean, he's just got a lot of stuff physically, you know, that's why they pay coaches, right? Coach him up. Get him ready and then let him do his thing uh, the way he does it. I, I like how, but he's not going to be explosive the way this kid's going to be explosive. So one thing I've kind of gleaned from Willis so far in all the conversations about him, especially since you brought up the comparisons to Jackson and Murray, and, and maybe we can even say Patrick Mahomes too, and I don't know, there might be a couple other guys in the league that move around to keep passing plays alive. The impression that I've gotten is that Willis is going to tuck it and run it a lot more readily than those guys are. Maybe, but that's not necessarily a bad thing with his running ability. And then the other part of that, there was a play in the senior bowl, and I was specifically looking for this. He ended up running for about 34 yards, but initially the pressure got to him from both edges, and he stepped up, and then he flushed right, and he was running toward the boundary. His head was up. His eyes were downfield. He was looking to throw it. Now, eventually... He decided it wasn't there, and he just took off and ran. But uh, I, I think there's a great deal to work with there. And if you think about these guys in terms of polish, I mean, remember when Ben Roethlisberger came out? Everybody was salivating over him, uh, and justifiably so, as it turned out. And he was supposed to be one of the top three, and there was all kind of upside there, too. When he started playing, he wasn't ready to play. I mean, they weren't going to play him until they had to play him. But they figured it out as they went along. Um he had something to bring to the table, and then he learned the rest yeah. as he went. I think it was like uh, whatever learning curve he has was flattened largely by the fact that he had a good offensive line and a run game and a good defense around him. Yeah, and he was really hard to tackle. And, you know, he had a rocket arm. I mean, you, you want a guy with the, with the physical abilities first and foremost. Uh, then, you, you know, you see what you get from there. Um, kids, The kid's a real interesting study, and – uh, maybe he's the best of the bunch. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's Corral. Maybe it's uh, Sam Howell. Maybe it's Kenny Pickett. But I would uh, tell you this, that the more I look at these guys, the less I'm starting to believe all the stuff I heard about this quarterback's class throughout the season. Wow, there's nobody special here. These guys aren't as good as you usually get. We, we don't know yet. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to find out. But there there's a lot to like about a lot of these guys. Now, you know what, for as – polished as Pickett may be and as high floor as he may be I actually think 
the more I think about him, he might be dependent on what system he gets into as well. Oh, I think I've they heard, all will be. Williamson said this a couple times, like, you know, the best possible spot for Pickett might be if he gets drafted later and goes to the Saints. Yeah, that's, I'm not going to argue with that, but I, I think that's important for all of them. Um, and just the, the way the game's going and everything we've heard from the Steelers, you know, you want the mobility. You want the guy that can use his legs as well as his arm. Now, Art Rooney II made a great point. I also want a guy who can read a defense and complete a pass, but this isn't rocket science. I mean, these guys are football players. They'll figure it out. Um, the, the thing that scares me a little bit about Malik Willis, and this is kind of the thing that's holding Lamar Jackson back a little bit. If you can say a guy who's already won an NFL MVP is being mm -hmm. held back that throwing with anticipation things, a big one. And uh, he doesn't do that yet. And he's going to have to learn how to do that because everybody that succeeds in the NFL has to do that. But uh, boy, he can do some stuff for you in the meantime. And, you know, you can throw this guy in, I think, and have a package and, and play to his strengths initially and let him grow into the job. And you're not necessarily forfeiting your opportunity to win games while he's progressing. Yeah, and I know his, uh, his body, his build makes him more durable than yeah. maybe what even Lamar Jackson is. Uh, more, he's a compact running back looking player. I, I don't yeah. want to say Josh yep. Allen because Josh Allen is so much taller. I don't want to say Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is kind of built like a strong wide receiver, um, but like a, like a thicker Michael Vick or, you know, a, th a thicker Russell Wilson even. Yeah. Um, or Murray and he's faster or just mm -hmm. as fast. It, it's so he can absorb the hits is what I'm saying. Yes. I, one one yes. thing I'm getting at though, is if you bring him in, you are not at least with this way going to have that tidy um, sort of backup to the, running quarterback that the bills have where Trubisky is Josh Allen light or Huntley is Lamar Jackson light. So if he runs himself into injury, you got to turn around and 180 it back to Mason Rudolph, who was Ben Roethlisberger light. And boy, that got light by the end of uh, last year. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I was not seeing the light by the end of last year. So <laughs> it was an oncoming train. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's good. Backup quarterback is going to be something I put on the back burner. Yeah. Of, of the the only lights we about. were seeing in Pittsburgh were like the X's over the Fort Pitt tunnel when they shut it down and you're sitting there on the bridge for 20 minutes as they're clearing out an accident. Those are the only lights we were seeing. Yeah. Actually happened to me this morning. They seemed to shut it down momentarily. At least I think somebody somewhere some, in the five o'clock hour in the yeah. morning, they do it all the time. Cause when I was filling in for you, the same thing happened to me. I was coming through the bridge at about five ten. 515. Yeah. Why is there traffic on the bridge? I just went by the West End exit. I could have gotten off there. How long is this going to last? And some kind of support vehicle or something has to come out I think of wherever it's a they shift push. change. Honestly, uh, they must have like a midnight to six shift or something like that. And he that guy parks his car there and he's got to get through and make the left. And the, like you said, the support vehicle comes through and they swap out. I think they swap out shifts. I think that's what we run into now. Tell you what, though, I'm not really thrilled about staying, uh, you know, idling on the middle of the bridge all, all of a sudden. I'd like to just keep driving over it. <laughs> Might want to address that one next after what happened in Squirrel Hill. <laughs> all right, Mike, uh, let's move on from the season that will happen to the season that just concluded and wrap up the Super Bowl. Uh, you and I haven't spoken since the Super Bowl. I know it feels like forever ago at this point. The Rams have already had their victory parade. I had a small victory parade, not a big one, but. A nice one. I, I did okay. The prop bets worked out for me. I got the point spread right. A little upset that I'm 
I was cautious and conservative and stayed away from the under. I felt better and better about the under as the week was progressing. You know, I even talked about sliding it a little bit to 50 and a half if people wanted to do that. I didn't play the under. I could have. It's one of those kind of gambling rooting things that you fall into. If you play enough overs on the props, right, you find yourself in conflict as the second half rolls around. It's tough to bet an under and have a bunch of overs on props. Some of my overs, though, were defense, like sacks for Aaron Donald, sacks for the Rams. But my goodness, uh, by the early third quarter, those flew by. You know, I had Evan McPherson on the over. That was tidily tucked away pretty early. Uh, Aaron Donald getting a sack. The Rams getting three and a half. Those were tidy and tucked away. And after T. Higgins got away with his face mask and scored that touchdown, again, one that I was kicking myself on, I said over 69 and a half on Higgins for receiving yards. And I said, maybe go to maybe go to over 99.5 if you want to try to swing for a home run. Oh, I should have played it. I would have won by the hook. I would have won by that half yard where I've so often lost bets by half a point or half a yard. How great would it have been to turn in a ticket at exactly 100 when the line was 99.5? I should have done it. I was so mad at myself over that one. Yeah, but that's uh, a, a small thing although i think it was good super bowl for a lot of people i know you were uh adamant about the Bengals and the points uh i took yeah. rams money line and it's funny I, I thought the same way you did about the over under I, I thought for sure it was going to be under and yet when you think about it if the Bengals are able to make one more play there at the end they probably kick a field goal and tie it and get it to 46 going into overtime and, and then, then you lose an overtime then it's going to go over uh, I like the Rams to win the game, and you know that was kind of fortuitous as well, the way it worked out. But uh, the more I thought about doing something different, I just decided to go heavier on the money line. I even liked that middle. Uh, I was texting with uh, our colleague Randy Bauman uh, the day of the Super Bowl, and I thought I'm going to take the Rams money line, and I'm also going to take the Bengals in the points, and I bet that sucker hits in the middle. And I ended up not doing that because, in a way, you're sort of betting against yourself. I yeah. did I did envision a scenario in which the game would have got out of hand for Cincinnati the way the Kansas City game did. And I think that might have happened if Odell Beckham Jr. didn't get hurt, but he did. The two compelling uh, elements to it to me were everybody hated the Bengals' offensive line against the Rams' defensive line, that matchup. And that took a little while, but that came home to roost. And... I'm also not a fan of the Bengals secondary, and you've heard me talk about this throughout the playoffs. Um, yeah, they got to go get some offensive linemen, but they better get some DBs too because you take Jesse Bates out of the equation, and who knows? He's a free agent. Who right. knows what's going to happen there? Uh, Vaughn Bell's too short. Mike Hilton can't cover. Eli Apple is Eli Apple, a former 10th overall pick who's on his fourth NFL team in, in five or six years. I'm not even a huge uh, Awuzie fan. Those guys played well in the playoffs. I give them credit for getting to the Super Bowl and making enough critical plays to get there. But if I'm Cincinnati, I'm looking hard at that defensive backfield saying, we got a problem here. If you look at them for next year, Mike, they are, let's see here, um, plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl. And if you look at the AFC lines, let me see if I can bring those up. They're plus 800, so cut it in half to win the AFC. The only AFC teams in front of them, the Chiefs at plus 400 and the Bills at plus 400. Chargers, next team at plus 1,000. Does that seem just about right to you? I'm not real excited about them for next year. Not that I think they're going to go back to being 
four and 13 or something of that nature. But I thought they were a little bit ahead of where they should have been uh, based on what they have to work with. And I want to see what happens with them in the off season because uh, they got some work to do. I, I, I would still like Kansas city, Buffalo, and Tennessee uh, more than I would like Cincinnati right now in terms of uh, picking an AFC team before free agency in the draft. Yeah, right, exactly. Here's a team I'd stay away from. I wonder if these lines are baked in just in case they get Aaron Rodgers. Which, and obviously, by the way, Pitt, obviously Pittsburgh after they get Malik Willis. That, true, right. That's at plus 2,500 to win the AFC. Uh, yeah. Just a little bit behind the Browns at plus 2,000. The Ravens are at plus 1,100. Another team that's at plus 1,100, the Denver Broncos. And that's obviously because people think they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. But based on the two events from over the weekend, one, the story that came out from NFL.com that things are looking good for him staying in Green Bay, and two, the breakup with Shailene Woodley, who was the Colorado connection there. I don't know. I don't know if the Broncos are all that much in the driver's seat anymore, Mike. Maybe he stays in Green Bay after all. Yeah, and if that happens, they got some problems because they still don't have a quarterback. Uh, Baltimore, by the way, you meant, I didn't want to overlook uh, Baltimore. I got a lot of respect for that organization. Um, tough to imagine the Ravens having the same kind of injury problems next year that they had this year. Yeah, and, even though they uh, have them every year, it was ex- especially bad this year. Excessive this year. That That's an outfit that usually figures it out. You know, that whole AFC North, I mean, it's really tight. And, and the Steelers are probably perceived right now to be the worst of the four. But the difference between first and and last in that division is not very much. Another reason why I don't think Cincinnati is necessarily a lock to uh, get back to the playoffs or make another run. Uh, not that, again, they're going to regress to the bungles of old, but uh, it's just very competitive there. Meanwhile, after the Bills and Chiefs is the favorites on top to win the Super Bowl, it's four NFC teams, the Rams, Niners, Packers, and Cowboys. And again, we're doing all this before free agency in the draft, but you know, if we go with quarterback being the most important determinant, um, even if the Packers keep Rodgers, you know, they've managed to flame out with home field a couple times. Uh, the Cowboys, for all their talent, just can't seem to get it together to make a real significant playoff run. The Niners, who are the fourth favorite on the board right now, you're handing the keys from Garoppolo to Lance. And I know people... You know, there's this rift over how do you analyze the 49ers with or without Garoppolo. I'm, I'm not trusting them at that number. I mean, do you default to the Rams again as, as the favorites in the NFC? Yeah, except nobody's repeated as champs since the Patriots in uh, 03 and 04 still. Mm-hmm. Now, I know uh, the Patriots got back to one and the Chiefs got back to one, didn't finish it. But the Niners are really intriguing, man. I think that's a very, very good team with the exception of Garoppolo, who I perceive to be as okay, uh, maybe a little better than average, but not uh, the kind of guy you build around or to this point at least win championships with. Is is that a team that can get to the playoffs again while Lance gets acclimated and then hits the ground running in the postseason? Pretty intriguing roster over there. Oh, I love the roster. I'm just uncertain about the quarterback, whether they go with the new guy or stay with the old guy. It's kind of like one of those, you know, other than the ending, Mrs. Lincoln, what'd you think of the, I mean, yeah, you need, exactly. the, you need the quarterback to make all the other stuff valuable, but they got the other stuff. Can they, can they get quarterback? It's, they're not going to keep Garoppolo, right? Uh, he's no, gone. he's going to move. I think yeah. he was even well aware of that. You know, another angle to the Super Bowl that we didn't discuss a ticket that I was holding that I thought might cash in and cash in nicely at plus 1100. I could have gotten it at plus 1600. Aaron Donald for MVP. Um, he ended up with two sacks 
probably could have been credited with a third. Got lucky on the first one, to be honest with you, just a little shove out of bounds, but that was the one. <laughs> I know a lot of people had the ticket of Aaron Donald minus 210. Is he going to get one? And as soon as he got that little shove in the third quarter on a minus one from Joe Burrow, all right, party time. So I, I missed on that by a little bit because Cooper Cup is just so damn good. And the big thing about him, Mike, is he got better as his job got harder on Sunday. I mean, like when the other tight end went out, when OBJ went out, when they realized that they couldn't run and they kept trying to run, everything was working against him and he was still getting himself open. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the podcast uh, before the game and you were you were on that Aaron Donald for MVP thing. And I was trying to tell you there was too many offensive players and good storylines for that to happen. Although it came a lot closer than I thought it would have. As a matter of fact, it might be easier for the next guy. Cause they may change the, the voting and all that and wait till the end of the game. But what a performance by Cooper cup. And I got to tell you, uh, it reminded me a lot uh, back to super bowl 43 and the Roethlisberger Santonio Holmes argument and I don't know about you, you know, I don't know you were posted up down in the corner of the end zone waiting to point to, yes. to tell everyone that Santonio was in bounds. I knew Heinz Ward was hurt by that point in the game. I didn't know Nate Washington wasn't really an option other than to go out there and take up space and, and make the Cardinals think he might be an option. Because uh, he had gotten hurt earlier in the drive. Yeah, it's really impressive when you're the guy and, you know, there's nobody else and you still get it done. I got a little more appreciation for Santonio Holmes. I got to say, I thought initially that that MVP should have gone to Ben Roethlisberger, but, uh, you know, further reviewing it all these years later, uh, certainly it's very worthy. And I thought cup was incredibly deserving because as you mentioned the the harder it got, the better he performed, you know, the, the thing that he scored that get... last touchdown twice for crying out loud after getting, you know, helmet to helmeted in the head, which I guess is else. the only way you can get helmeted to helmeted, but, uh, you know, hats well, off no, it to is. him. If you, want to <laughs> if you look at that drive that Roethlisberger had in 43, because what I did with Max Starks when I went play-by-play -play with him through the, the game-ending drive for the trip for our special section on Roethlisberger on Sunday, the things that Ben did pre-snap were really advanced, even though he wasn't hadn't been in the league for all that long by that. He was still on his first deal with the Steelers by that point, and all the pre-snap stuff that he did and how spot on he was to make every read and every pump fake and what he did when he followed through on the pump fakes, like stuff that a, only a player in the huddle could tell you. It was just, it was an interesting and appreciative glance that I got at what Roethlisberger did before he let go of the ball all the time. Oh, and that was, you know, that was his game. And, you know, his, his signatures, in addition to being hard to tackle and being big Ben or that pump fake mm -hmm, and, right. uh, Oh, by the way, that's one of the reasons why uh, people who evaluate this stuff for a living in terms of players, uh, it's one of the reasons why hand size comes up. Well, we, I'm sure we'll be able to bet on the draft, right, Mike? I mean, at some point, they're going to put oh, up the odds as to who's the was, first pick. And I was playing over-unders on how many SEC guys last year, yeah. how, many guys, how many guys from Bama. And right, big, yes. Big 10 players in the first round. Yeah, that's great fun. Yeah, we'll get to that. That'll be a great gambling night. So uh, we will look forward to that. Mike will certainly help break that down for us. As we get closer to football, football never really ends around here. The Pittsburgh City Cast. We are going to talk hockey when we come back, though. Olympic, NHL, oh, tough gambling day for Mike on Wednesday. We will discuss when we come back in the Pittsburgh City Cast.
Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Well, Mike, it cuts both ways, as uh, we well know, doing some of this as we do for a living and for fun when it comes to gambling. For as much as we seem to enjoy the Super Bowl, I know I did. A couple days later, Wednesday for you, absolute nightmare. Uh, Not only did Sparty somehow manage to blow a 13-point lead. 14, Tim. Oh, 14. I'm sorry. 14 in the second half. Yeah. Uh, So that was uh, then, what, an 18-point swing overall, right? Yes against Penn State in a very, very empty Bryce Jordan Center as you sent me the video. Wow. I, that looked like Oakland. That looked like the Pete. Curtains on the upper deck. Jeez. It was a Big Ten men's basketball game, and there were curtains on the upper deck. 19th team in the country, the Michigan State Spartans. Big draw coming to town, and they couldn't even take the curtains down for that. That's, that's saying something. I was I was flabbergasted. I had been up there in a couple of years. Um, don't remember that being the case before, but uh, wow. Uh, one of those nights, you know, uh, I had Michigan State on the money line. Michigan State was only a minus three going in. Uh, Spartans have been scuffling a little bit. Penn State is not horrible. They're not the worst team in the Big Ten. They've got three players. They've got a first-year coach who seems to know what he's doing. So the outcome of the game is not flabbergasting to me, but – uh, you're into the live betting stuff. I wonder what the odds would have been with 14 minutes left when Sparty was up 14 for it to somehow implode the way it did Oof. is just uh, gut-punching and head-scratching at the same time. Speaking of gut-punching and head-scratching, what if you're a North Carolina fan and you Oof. had Pitt in the Dean Dome as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite and you're down 19 at one point? They're down 18 at halftime. And then they ended up losing. Of course, they made it close. I think it got down to like 69-61 or something like that. Pitt managed to make that game close. But, my God, where does that come from? Where have the last four games come from for Pitt? They've managed to cobble together a winning streak. I'll, I'll tell you where it came from. The ACC stinks. Like, I don't even know how many teams the ACC going to get in the tournament for. I mean, like. Oh, I is it going to be that many? Is it, here's the it question. Might t- it might top it, out. There might be more from the A-10 than the ACC. I was just going to go there. That's your that's your barometer. It might be more from the A-10. But uh, getting back to Pitt for just a second, uh, a little credit is due because they've had about seven or eight times to just pack it in this year and say F it, and they haven't, and they're finding ways to win all of a sudden and, you know, trying to finish it off. Uh, maybe there's uh, some hope for Jeff Capel yet. There was some, some pretty discouraging times. And, yeah, a lot of circumstances, but he's got to own those too right i mean uh he he didn't get there yesterday uh but uh i i know uh one pit fan in particular that i work closely with joe rikiki our producer on the dv morning show he was uh his feet weren't touching the ground this morning man they went into chapel hill and won uh doesn't really matter that's the kind of win doesn't matter happened before doesn't matter what happens after you take those when you can get them meanwhile i was calling the duquesne game against george washington (laughs) 
Uh, they got down early and they stayed down for a long time. George Washington was emptying the bench with four minutes left. Um, the Dukes have now lost 11 in a row in conference after they won their first conference game. And it's at the point now where I'm asking, where are the wins? You know, they, they might get LaSalle at the end of the season, but getting George Washington at home, that's one if you're trying to break a streak that you could have, but George Washington just looked like it was in a different class. And now six and six in the A-10. Yeah, and, and George Washington, not the class of the A-10. No, no, there's but, like there's a distinct it, cut line after the top five, and they're in the next middle two, and then there's like some soft four or five after that, and that's where, unfortunately, Duquesne is at this point. Yeah, boy, 1-11 in the uh, A-10. Why were we not just betting money lines against Duquesne all along? Right, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Don't these things look of, so easy to see after the fact? Yeah, there were a couple games where – you know, I thought they could have snuck out a win against Fordham on the road or at home. That didn't happen. You know, I thought they could have, you know, they occasionally, like they, they upset Dayton last year, you know, in the COVID year. They managed to pull off that surprise, but no such luck this season. Uh, they, they were close with Davidson, Davidson for a while, but that was one of those games where you're, you're pushing the rock up the hill and you never quite get over without starting to get some momentum rolling on the other side. They ended up losing that game. They get them again. So, uh, yeah, that's that might be an easy call against Duquesne moving forward. As it is my alma mater, I fear, what with Jesse Edwards being out, the starting center. Uh, they were looking like a team that might put together a little run in February and try to push their way into March Madness on the bubble. But, uh, no, that's that's not happening now, especially after what happened last time out against Virginia Tech. Oh, I disagree. I think Syracuse will still make the tournament and still – until somebody <laughs> takes the stake and the garlic and drives it through Beheim's <laughs> heart. I, the Syracuse is probably an Elite Eight team, wouldn't you think? Uh, well, if they get in, then yes, they're an Elite Eight team. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to get in. I think they might get blown out by Boston College this Saturday. You know, so. I've seen this fish before, Tim. <laughs> um, now, as far as uh, your the rest of your Wednesday, what it didn't just get limited. Well, I guess you went on Tuesday was the game, right? Tuesday was the game at the Breslin Center. Correct. Sorry, the, the Bryce Jordan Center. Yes. So you went up for that one on Tuesday. And then Wednesday morning, uh, Tuesday into Wednesday, Slovakia beats Team USA. Did you have money on that one? I didn't. That was that was played. Uh, the puck drop was 11-10 Tuesday night. And uh, I knew I was working DV in the morning and then driving up to Happy Valley and then going to the bar and then going to the basketball game. So I knew I wasn't going to make it uh, to Tuesday night at 11-10 p.m. So I put it on the old DVR and I got up the next morning and drove home and Turned on the TV and watched and was very encouraged. And then we got a two-man advantage for a minute 26 in the third period. Chance to make a 2-1 game, a 3-1 game, and basically put it away and didn't score. And then Slovakia pulls the goalie and scores with 43.7 seconds left in regulation and then wins it in a shootout. And I went from perturbed, irked, pissed off to just heartbroken because I was really starting to fall in love with that uh, U.S. Olympic team, and to lose that. Again, the game should have been put away. Had they lost the game, you wouldn't think twice, you know, going in, if somebody would thought, oh, Slovakia's going to win this one. Yeah, that was a distinct possibility, but to be so close to putting it away with that two-man advantage and then to take it into the last minute and the goalie's out and you don't finish the game, that's just real, real disappointing. The guy who pulled through for us, and you and I saw this coming from a mile away, as do I think a lot of Penguins fans. The point that the number dropped, I should have gotten in on it earlier. 
Uh, I first saw Sidney Crosby to score a goal against the Flyers at plus 143. I didn't hop on it until it got to plus 128, so I'm mad about that. But Crosby scored for both of us, got the 500th goal. Um, The Penguins, that was a pretty easy money line play if you wanted to just play them straight up. It was minus 315, but boy, you sweated through it. I mean, with the way the Flyers are playing as opposed to the way the Penguins are playing, that looks so obvious. That's what they were a prohibitive favorite at minus 315. But um, it was it was looking nasty there for a while down 4-2. It just that night, Mike, if, if you were somebody who did bet on the Flyers, you were not counting your chips until that game was over, and rightfully so, just with the tone of the evening. Yeah, but uh, to your point about Crosby, what a layup, right? Uh, I'm not even yeah. a prop guy, but I may become one because uh, you mentioned that to me. Hey, yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the captain to score his 500th against the team that he's tortured more than anybody else in his career is at plus money tonight. I, I thought that might be like, – I'm not surprised to dip from 143 to 128. I thought that might start at minus money that so many people – Yeah, like minus it. 115 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I, I still would have played it. I would have taken it then. So uh, good for him. I think that's my favorite goal that Sidney Crosby's ever scored. It certainly wasn't the one against Team USA. I know that. Um, So tonight they get the Maple Leaf. Wow. A rare opportunity where you can get plus money on the Penguins. Yeah, Um, plus 123. I'm uh, staring at it right now on the Bet Rivers. uh, I'm seeing a plus 128. I think it just went up. Maybe, maybe you made it. Maybe you made a big bet already and it went down. Maybe that's. No, we haven't gotten there, but. you know, we were debating that on the morning show a little bit today. I think they're going to get uh, there. It is one twenty-eight. Okay. I, th- I think they're going to get some juice out, out of all that uh, Crosby Fest stuff that that went on Tuesday night. Bauman's a little worried about a letdown, but uh, I don't know. They're two and zero against Toronto, and uh, presumably uh, Tristan Jari will be back in the net tonight. Uh, kind of like your uh, your Pittsburghs at plus. Like you said, how many chances do you get to bet on the Penguins where they're the dog? you like the over at six and a half or no? Not necessarily, because yeah, I think Jari's going to play well. You know, and a couple of the goals that the – here's one thing you got to keep in mind. Um, the Leafs are really good on special teams both ways. they got the best power play in hockey, and I think they got, like, the sixth best penalty kill, and it was the power play that bailed out the Penguins against Philly. They didn't do much five on five. They got two power play goals, and then the game winner was three on three in overtime. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take them tonight. Yeah, keep a little interest in that game. Sure, why not? A plus 128. They got some tough games coming up here, Mike. I know I've made this point time and time again that a lot of what they have done on these winning streaks has been built up a bit on lesser teams. And their run of competition through starting tonight, basically, now they got the Flyers out of the way. Their run of competition through early March is pretty tough. They... We kept commenting, geez, how have they avoided the Rangers for so long? Geez, how have they avoided the Carolina Hurricanes for so long? Well, no, not much more because these are metropolitan division teams that they're going to see over and over again. I think between, what was that end date? Now and March the 5th, they've got Carolina, I think, three times. They got Vegas baked in there. They've got Florida, Tampa Bay, New York a couple times. Um, yeah, it gets it gets really hard between now and say March Madness for the Penguins. Yeah, the uh, the next ten games starting tonight against Toronto, seven of those ten opponents are top ten in the overall standings this morning as we speak. 
Mm. Now, you know, that obviously fluctuates a little bit as games are played. But, yeah, the Carolina and the Rangers games are the really intriguing ones, right? Because the Penguins are leading the Metropolitan Division, but you really don't know how they stand because they haven't played Carolina or the Rangers yet. Exactly. And I'm very curious to see how they match up on the ice against these teams, both of which I think are very formidable teams. Penguins have generated a lot of positive momentum, justifiably so, but how much stock do you really put in uh, mid-February when you haven't played the best teams in your division yet uh, as it relates to what you think your postseason possibilities might be? Yeah, and looking at the futures right now, uh, the Penguins still hovering around. I really haven't seen them boost all that much. They're up to plus 1,400 now. In the East, Mike, they're still behind Tampa, Florida, Toronto, and Carolina. Um, I might put them in front. Like, if I was sitting the lines, I might put them in front of Toronto just because they're Toronto. I mean, when have they ever done anything in the postseason? 1966, uh, I believe. Yeah. and uh, so Is it 66 or 67? Or Well, 67. I'm sorry, 67. Yeah. Then 75 is the Flyers. There's certain numbers you can hold over certain teams, but I think it's 67 for the Leafs and 75 for the Flyers. And it might be another 75 years before the Flyers get back. My, my God, have they just, they are terrible. Yeah, you used to look at them. They're like Duquesne, if you're talking about playing against Duquesne on a money line, that, that's, that's your equivalent in the NHL right there with those guys. I mean, for a while there, you looked at the Flyers and said, boy, if they only had a goalie. And uh, <laughs> now they're just a mess. I couldn't recognize names in their bottom six. It was funny because, like, Sidney Crosby scored the goal. And I noticed a couple flyers like giving him a stick tap on the bench or on the ice. I'm like, who are these flyers that are actually acknowledging Sidney Crosby? And I looked down, I'm like, they're nobodies. They're just happy to be out there. They're going to tell their kids, hey, I played in a game where Sidney Crosby got his 500th goal. <laughs> Not that I took my stick and stuck it through Sidney Crosby's mouth. No, I, I was just, I just was happy to be there. Like those kind of guys. Yeah, it's, it, uh, they have fallen fast and hard. I thought going into last year, they were going to be good. I thought going into this year, they were going to be good. And they are not. By the way, uh, I have officially verified 1967. There we go. Maple Leafs. I'm surprised I'm not, that that's not seared in my brain because uh, <laughs> they are a Canadian team. And uh, they still think highly of themselves up there. All right, Mike, we'll do this again next week. Lots of hockey and college basketball moving forward. Hopefully we'll have some baseball to bet because you, you and I both know there's money to be made in baseball. Even though uh, there's no money being coursed through the local team's payroll, there's money for our payroll to be made in baseball if you gamble smart. But we got to get Yeah, the you just wait for that total to come out on the Pirates and then bet the under. We <laughs> think it's going right. to be this year, 38? Yeah, I know. That's going to be hard. <laughs> you can only set it so low, Mike. You can only – what was the old Chuck – who's the uh, – Casey Stengel, was he the one that said everybody wins 50, everybody loses 50, it's the 62 in the middle that matter? It's Casey Stengel, Chuck Tanner, all those old baseball guys thought that way. Yeah, it's some, everybody steals that line from everybody else. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this – you're not going to be able to set the Pirates' win total at 49 and a half. Let me put it Pirates, uh, Pirates are going to mend that too. We're going to get beat 50 times. We're going to blow the game 50 times. And then there's about <laughs> 62. 60. We got a shot. All right. We'll be back next week at the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like to 
like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.